This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast, with a dedicated podcast going to the heart of all things Southampton FC. Firstly, and most importantly, reiterating that we hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you may be. As mentioned over the past couple of episodes, we're going to do our best to try and keep going with podcast content for you, albeit not necessarily every single week. Anyway, joining me on this week's episode, which will be a two-parter, is Glenn Delacour, regular League One minus 10. We've got Freddie from The Ugly Inside as well, and Simon Peach, who's Chief Football Writer at Press Association, and of course, a Saints fan as well. So, Glenn, starting with you, how are you keeping? Are you, you passing the time or not? Uh, yeah, just about. Um, you know, I'm a computer programmer, so... I am fully able to work from home, um, which I guess is a good thing, but sometimes it feels like it's not. (laughs) I've spent quite a lot of time recently campaigning to be allowed to work from home one day a week. Right. And uh, I finally started that about a month ago. And uh, that's fine, but five days a week (laughs) is proving to be a bit more of a challenge. Not from the point of view of having young kids or anything like that, but just from the the point of view of um, remembering what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, I can imagine. And uh, Freddie, what about you? How are you uh, passing the time? Well, I've been for a bike ride every other day. Good um, on you. Trying to keep fit, you know. I've got lots of things queued up on Netflix now, so uh, just working my way through that, to be fair. Working from home, as yeah, I say. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you working from home as well? Because so, your job, obviously, is what sound and production for the college, right? Yeah, education. So uh, we're checking in with our students. Uh, well, I am sort of once a week, but the lecturers are, are checking in more often. My job is mostly hands-on, so I need to be there for technical support. And it's quite difficult too when there is no students and there's no, you know, need for it. I guess at the moment. 
certainly been interesting this week as I uh, mentioned on the uh, Eric Martin pod last week you're balancing uh, work one minute and then trying to teach geography to a four and six year old the next minute is uh, pretty difficult but uh, there we go uh, Si I, I know your job obviously chief football writer is uh, much to sort of rise about when we spoke to Adam a couple of weeks ago you said it was time to do sort of proper journalism trying to get out and find the stories and things like that but is it the same with you or are you literally uh, getting a chance to sit at home and uh, catch up a bit like Freddie? Well, getting out and doing proper journalism is pretty hard. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> obvious. Um, no, it's a really peculiar time. Um, look, my mum's a teacher. My best friend's an ear, nose and throat surgeon. I just write about football. So realistically, <laughs> what I do at this stage of our history really is inconsequential. But, um, yeah, I've just been basically working from home um and there's a lot of news, there's a lot of incremental news. Mm. I'm getting to write about non-league football, which I've always enjoyed non-league football, but obviously when you cover Man United, there's not that much opportunity. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite good. To, I feel like it will make people better journalists, but unfortunately I fear the industry is not going to be in a very good state. It wasn't in a great state as it was. Mm. And I feel like we talk about clubs going under during this. I feel like there's some uh, media organisations that are going to really hurt during this. So, Hopefully, this everyone can get through this as easily and safely as possible. Yeah, just uh, briefly, Simon. Uh, obviously, we're going to try and make sure we focus on Saints. But just from the point of view of Euro 2020 and the Premier League and what you're hearing sort of on the circuit, does everyone seem comfortable that the right decision was made around the Euros? And just latterly, from what you're hearing, do you think there's any real chance that we are going to get this Premier League season started again? Well, firstly, with the Euros, it, it was the decision that was always going to happen. It was the worst time to have had a pan-European competition. Mm. It's a stupid idea anyway. I mean, Wales playing two games in Baku and having to go to Rome for another game is just nonsense. But yeah, yeah there's, there's just no way it was going to work. Next summer, let's hope this is all completely gone in terms of, obviously, let's talk of it rearing its head again, coronavirus. Mm. In terms of the league, you hear some dissenting voices after Karen Brady, and now they're all anonymous, unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Um, my feeling is from everyone I speak to that they want to get the season done. And and it, it makes sense given the financial pressures that will be coming down from broadcasters and sponsors and everything to get it done. And as much as we all like to poke fun at Liverpool, they deserve this title. And yeah, it's just it's just a very strange time. It's really hard to, to get your head around it, to be mm. honest, because I'm looking out the window now and there's a beautiful minster opposite my office. The sun's setting, but it's just... <laughs> The world's not quite the same as it. It's not. It's been bizarre, hasn't it? No, absolutely. And uh, I think that's Mm. the thing is, uh, you know, we're uh, what two weeks into it now. I think we're all probably expecting another ten weeks or so of this. But we'll see what happens. What I would say is, I think football will return before other stuff in terms of that's my my feeling from everything. Whether it's closed doors or something, yeah. Yeah, I think football will return before society returns to normal, which I think will help society greatly. I know not everyone loves football, but the vast majority do enjoy football. And having that as something to hold on to, how travel will work with European football, I don't know. But in terms mm. of domestic football, I do feel like the Premier League will return before society does to normality. Yeah, indeed. It's only when uh, you haven't got it, you realise how much you miss it, don't you? But uh, look, um, 
I appreciate you guys joining. Uh, as I say, I, I know hopefully for all of us it's a chance to get back into the normality of talking about football. But we're going to spend a, a couple of episodes, as I mentioned, discussing the current Saints squad, our views on some of the players and positions, and where we think Ralph Hasenhutl, who, according to Dan Sheldon, has been spending some of this time uh, during the quiet period scouting data around potential signings. Him and the club you know, might need to think about focusing their transfer funds uh, during the summer. So this week in part one of the two, we'll discuss the Achilles heel of uh, the Saints squad, goalkeeping and defence. So sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, this is TSP 109. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. HappyHotTubs.co.uk Starting in the number one position then, Saints currently have three senior goalies on the books, Alex McCarthy, Angus Gunn and Fraser Forster. Big Fraser's of course on loan at Celtic until the end of this season when he is due to return. Um, Glenn, we're not going to talk through every single player and all of their strengths and weaknesses because that'll take forever and I'm sure people will switch off quite quickly. But the current possessor of the number one shirt is of course Alex McCarthy. What have you generally made of him and the job he's done during that time? He's not infallible. But in the main, he has done a very good job. Um, I think he deserves to be number one at the moment. And I see no reason, um, bearing in mind, we're not going to be absolutely loaded with money to spend on new players. I don't see goalkeeper being a, a huge area of concern. I don't see it being a priority to uh, to get another goalkeeper in. The uh, the priority in the goalkeeping area, I, I believe, is to um, will be to get Fraser out the door. Mm. Um, and if not to sell it to, to someone else, then it, it would just be a case of getting him out the door for, I don't know how much money we're likely to get. I don't know how many years he's got left on his contract, but, uh, I do. Go on then. So July 2022 is when his contract runs out. So he's still got two 22. years left. Yep. So he's still got two years. So, I mean, if we, if we get anywhere near 10 million, I think we're doing well there. Whether Celtic can afford that, bearing in mind his wages are very high. Um, I don't know, but we, you know, we need to get him out the door, and it's 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 exactly the same as it was last year. Mm. You know, hopefully Gunn will improve and um, you know put McCarthy under pressure. But uh, yeah, I don't really see there being massive changes other than maybe Fraser out the door. Yeah, Freddie, I um done the sort of stats on all the players here. So McCarthy's played 72 times for Saints. He's conceded 103 goals during that time, but has kept 19 clean sheets. He is still only 30. Um, you know, he's kept himself relatively fit with us which I know was a bit of an issue I think at previous clubs I, I wrote down here that you know for me he's sort of calm he's a, a good shot stopper he seems pretty good with his distribution but you know his communication isn't always great and he doesn't necessarily command his box but overall probably out of the the three goalies he probably has been our most consistent certainly the last two years yeah I think, I think I'd, I'd add to that as well I mean Fraser Forster just touching him firstly mm. he's 32 you know they say the goalkeepers are at their peak at 32 years old but mm. it seems like he peaked early in his career to some extent and I think uh, Saints perhaps need to swallow their pride in their blueprint for less than his value. Alex McCarthy you know nimble I think is probably uh, a good uh, key word to describe him. You know Fraser Forster great shot stopper on the line uh, rarely comes <laughs> off of it. Alex McCarthy fumbles the ball when it comes for crosses and Angus Gunn's still a little bit unproven but Alex mm. McCarthy I think Give him an, an extra couple of years, see what he does, and I think then, then it's a chance for Angus Gunn to really put his name on the number one jersey. Yeah. 
Simon, when you think of Big Freeze, um, I think there was a lot of chat, and I remember Adam saying that actually he was the one that Haas and Hootal rated the highest out of the three of them in training, but I think he was the only one that had any real interest in him in the summer. And of course, when you're carrying three senior goalies with three senior wages, you don't necessarily need all of them at the club, so it did make sense for him to move on. Do you see him coming back and having a chance at Saints, or do you think, as Glenn said there, that his is you know it will be a case of Saints trying to move him on because he is probably the most sellable of the three? Um, I hadn't been aware of you just said that Adam mentioned that, right. that's quite interesting so um, earlier in the season yeah. he said that Ralph was a big fan of Fraser and felt in training he was the one that stood out well look Fraser falls to I think we can all remember what a fantastic goalkeeper he was for Saints but I do think it's probably best for all parties it leaves it's also worth remembering it's all good and well we want money for him he's the highest paid employee in Southampton's history mm. Um it's going to be hard to get off the books. It's going to be hard to find people to pay the wages. Because I can assure you, Celtic aren't paying for <laughs> the full amount. Um, that's going to be the issue. I, I'd love him to come back to Saints and do really well, but I think it's just best he goes. Last summer, I think they would have let him go for free if he was willing to tear up his contracts and walk away and not take any more wages. And uh, West Ham were interested last summer. They expressed interest just before we played at West Ham, uh, the 3-0 defeat. That was the one game he played That's started right, yeah. last season in the league. Uh, I think that might have put him off. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, seeing our players play always puts players off. <laughs> yeah, players always become better when they don't play, I find. Yeah. Um, Celtic would seem a logical place. He's flourishing up there. He's he's comfortable. He's He seems happy, so good luck to him. I mean, Angus Gunn I've always really rated, but he hasn't kicked on as I'd like to think he would have done. And Alex McCarthy, I find really strange because I really rate him that he seems to drop off a cliff, gets replaced, and I'm thinking he does, that's the right time. But then the same thing happens with Angus, and he drops off a cliff, and I think this is the right time to replace him. Oh, yeah. Angus Gunn, I think, is a good goalkeeper, but I don't really know why we signed him if he no. wasn't going to be number one straight away, especially as Man City have a buyback clause. Mm. So if he does do really well, they can just buy him back, but not at a lot more than what we paid for him by the sounds of things. Mm. That doesn't really make sense to me, but hey, I don't have a black box in saying <laughs> I think that's the thing, is it? When you actually think of McCarthy, I know we can all remember him flapping at the cross at Man City, and then of course there was the uh, the game at Arsenal as well. Yeah, you know, when we let that goal in the last minute. But actually, you know, you think of that first twenty minutes down at them lot down the road. You know, I mean, we could have been one or two nil down if it wasn't for him. He, mm. you know, he has made some really good saves. And as I say, I think you know, in terms of consistency, he's he's been up there. But in terms of Angus Gunn then, Glenn, is it a bit unfair to say that he's not really developed over the last couple of years? Because that's what I wrote down here. But, you know, whenever you see him, you don't feel overly confident. I mean, he is only still, no. you know, he's, he's only young still. I think he's 24, isn't he? Something like that. So, you know, he's still got time to develop into a goalkeeper. But 13.5 million was quite an outlier by Saints. It was, and I, I agree with Simon's point. I don't really know why we signed him. It seemed like we signed him because we could. Mm. I think, well, I don't know if it was obviously, I think we thought we were going to get one of the other goalkeepers off the books and it didn't happen for whatever reason. So we've ended up with this three goalkeeper situation. Angus Gunn, when he started, um, when he first got in the team, it was all about you know how quick he was off his line and how agile he was and all that stuff. But what I found with him is that he has absolutely zero presence. Mm. Um, so we had a penalty shootout. Um, against Derby in the FA Cup and he was in goal for it and I just remember they were lining up to take the penalties and he looked really small <laughs> in the goal and I know he's six foot four or whatever but he looks like he's about six stone every penalty that was taken he kind of just collapsed in the corner mm. and penalties is a silly way to judge a goalkeeper because you can't really tell with that but he reminds me a little bit of Stecklenburg 
when we had him for a couple of seasons and that you, you look at him and then you look at the goals that went in and think, actually, he didn't actually save anything. He's gone seven games without actually saving a thing. Mm. Every shot has gone in. And that's what I found with um, with Angus Gunn this season in particular. It just seemed like he didn't actually influence the game whatsoever. Zero presence. And the ball just, you know, every shot seemed to go in. Mm. Maybe I'm being harsh there, but yeah, he, he hasn't developed. Um, he hasn't got any better since we had him. I'd say he's, he's probably got worse. Mm. Um, and there needs to be a point. And goalkeepers do come to the fore later in their career, obviously. But there needs to be a point where he, he stands up and goes, look, I am the big man and I am going to, you know, take this, uh, take this goalkeeper shirt. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done it as yet. And he, at the moment, he doesn't look like doing it. I thought he was going to be in the England squad by now, to be honest. I thought he, Angus Gunn was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he was already in, in, in the squad before we signed him, I think. Yeah. I think he was called up for when there was a bunch of injuries, he was called up for his squad before he joined Saints. He was on that trajectory, but he's kind of lost his way. And it, yeah, as Glenn says, it's vital that he, Kicks on and maybe he needs to show more confidence in himself because mm. he's got the ability. He's just not stamped his authority on the position. Yeah. Freddie, when you look at it, I mean, this will be, by the time we get to July this year, it'll be two years that he's been at the club. He's made 30 appearances during that time and conceded 52. So almost, you know, two a game. And I, they're not all down to him, but he is still a young goalkeeper. But do you think he's, as in, had enough opportunity to show what he can do? Because I, I wrote down here strengths and I put a question mark next to it and then I put weaknesses, everything else. I mean, he doesn't seem mm. to command his area. He doesn't seem to, you know, sweep well. I mean, we've seen a couple of times where he's come charging out and against Chelsea and against Bournemouth, Costas goals. You know, I used to play in goal. I know it's a hard position. If the ball's down your end, you're automatically, you know, it's a bad thing. But do you think he's had enough opportunities to show what he can do? Or do you still think he, he needs a proper run in the side? I think the latter there is, is perhaps what Angus needs. Is a, is a good run at the size. I'm just looking at the results and the games that he's played this season. It's not helped by the last game that he played was against Leicester in October. Well, so we all know the result of that. We won't say that on this show. <laughs> but I mean, before that, you know, it's it's a draw against Wolves, conceded four against Chelsea, two against Spurs, three against Bournemouth. So it's not helped no. his reputation this season. But uh, you know, clean sheets at Sheffield United and Brighton away. Good chance for him, and it's a bit to his confidence as well. But uh, you know, he's still young, you know, 24 mm. years old. As I said about Fraser Forster, goalkeepers are getting to peak about 32, 33 years old. And at that point, you think, you know, Angus is nine years away from that, yeah. and he's still got a long way to go. And I think he, he still has an outside chance of making England squads. He was a staple in the under-21 setup under Gareth Southgate. And, you know, I think Gareth knows him. And I think there's a good opportunity for him, for him to progress even further, get another call up to the first side. But he just needs a consistent run of games. And what he needs to do is sort of focus on his strengths rather than his weaknesses. As you yeah. say, you, you, you put a question mark against his name. What are his strengths? Is it shot blocking? Is it commanding? I don't think any of those either. Is it handling? Mm. So perhaps he needs to get his head down, work a bit harder on the training field. And as it is with Ralph's philosophy is sort of if one keeper or uh, a member of the team has a suspension or is injured, the next person replaces them. Uh, Alex McCarthy has been relatively consistent over the time. You know, it's helped out by the, the great sort of uh, run of fixtures over the Christmas period and, and almost look displaceable. No, completely. And just to finish on Fraser, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Of course, we all know the Scottish football has a certain reputation, but I mean, this season in all competitions, because we've seen him play pretty well in the Europa League. I mean, he's played 39 times for Celtic. He's kept 17 clean sheets during that time and only let in 28 goals. Now, as I say, I know it has a reputation, but he's played against the likes of Lazio and teams like that this season as well. But Simon, I know there's not going to be a lot of money around, but can you foresee potentially Saints trying to sell two of the three and bringing in a proper, you know, Ralph, this is going to be my number one? Or do you think they will, and we'll come on to talk about it, be looking to invest money in other areas? I really don't think it's going to be a seller's market. 
I didn't think it was going to be anyway. I think the Saints would struggle to shift any of them, to mm-hmm. be honest, no matter their quality, because they are not. I was thinking about when we were when we were just talking then about Angus Gunn perhaps getting the squad. Saints have kind of cornered the market having goalkeepers that are just good enough to become England's third choice goalkeeper. Which <laughs> so mm-hmm. McCarthy's been that, Gunn's been that, yep. Forster's been that. Yeah, they've not gone beyond that, so other clubs aren't really coming in for them. Yeah, and we've got them all on big contracts and. You can't then shift them. So it's whether they want to become a homegrown player for a top four Champions League club and sit on the bench. Yeah. So I, that's the only way I can really see any of them going at the moment. I think Ralph would be smart enough to know that he's got other areas that you need to go in before he tries to get a goalkeeper. Put it that way. All right, just finally then, one word, Glenn. If you had to pick, you know, the start next season, whenever that might be, 2023 or something like that, <laughs> who would be your number one in goal out of those, Glenn? McCarthy, without a doubt. Freddie? Yeah, McCarthy too. Simon? McCarthy for now. Full house then, because I'd, I'd certainly go with him as well. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Right, moving on to defenders then. If there's one area of the pitch and squad that gives us all heart palpitations week in, week out, it's uh, certainly Saints defence. It's largely been the gift that keeps on giving ever since that rather good Dutch chap left for the northwest. We'll get into centre-backs in a minute, but just focusing a little bit on the full-backs, starting at left-back, Glenn. I know you're a big fan of Ryan Bertrand. He's been pretty much the sole holder of that position for five and a half seasons now, since £10 million that we spent, which was obviously a very, very good investment. Um, The question I was going to ask, Glenn, because I I think being interesting to get your view he's obviously a very very good player we know there's a lot of conversation and comment often around his attitude and things like that there's not a lot of competition for that place other than him at the moment so do you think he still has the hunger and desire to want to play for Southampton I don't know because he's if you take the the Koeman team he's kind of the last one left isn't he Mm. from that um I know Warprouse was sort of in and around it but Bertrand's the the last sort of player you you know, at one stage he was linked with Manchester City and he was linked with Chelsea and uh, everyone else left and he's been here five and a half years. I think the ship has sailed with regards to him going to a Chelsea or a Manchester City. I, mm. I can't see those those teams coming in for him now because he's, what, how old is he now, 31? He's 30 now, yeah. 30, 31. So I don't see it um, unless someone's got a, a gaping hole for a, a backup left back sort of thing. I, I don't see him being first choice at any of the big clubs. So I, th- I think he is probably here for the duration, but he's his contract finishes at the end of the next season. Is that right? right? Yeah, yeah, good knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So whether he want to sit this season out and, and go on a free, um, I don't know. But I, I certainly think uh, next year, unless someone does somewhat surprisingly come in for him, he will be first choice again. But we mm. we do need to have someone. It's chronic at both right back and left back. I mean, yeah. This season's been been dreadful. Whenever we've had the first choice not available. We've been all over the place, players in wrong positions, and we've covered this lots of times before. Mm. We we can't afford to go into the season with just you know one right back and one left back, which is what we did this year. Yeah, Freddie, from your point of view, I mean, obviously the only real sort of left back um, option that we've got at the moment is young Jake Vakins. He's done fairly well in the the sort of cup games that he's played. You know, I think quite a few people have sort of mentioned that he still looks. I know Glenn said this before, some way off the the Premier League. Um, do you think that is potentially a, an area of the pitch that? 
he may be looking to invest in or again do you think when we'll come on to talk about right backs you know there's been a lot of comments before that the likes of Valerie and Walker Peters a bit like Cedric did can play at left back if needed so do you think Jake Vokens is going to be competition for Bertrand next season or do you think there is a real wide gap between the two of them? I think there's a huge gulf in class, a huge gulf in quality. In fact, Jake Vokens, I don't think he's near ready the first team. That's perhaps why we've only seen him play cameos in the FA Cup and, and other cup competitions. And I think it's the defence as a whole. But having said that, the defence are also looking at Ryan Bertrand for some leadership and, and experience. But the thing is, Ryan, it, it almost looks a bit too casual. You mm. know, he, he sort of dwells on the ball, tries to play the Hollywood pass, but doesn't often come up. Uh, and he's often caught, you know, sort of napping as we go forward. He's, he's sort of remaining in that position. He's not bursting a lung to try and get back and commit to the side. So mm. perhaps that's what sort of rubs people up the wrong way is that we want to see a bit of commitment. But I think what Ryan is doing now is to say he's 30 years old, contract's up next season. I think he's just going to coast into the end of it and perhaps... Uh, one last move and a free in West London somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I, mean, I think the thing that surprised us, Simon, as well, is you know there's a couple of instances this season where you know he was suspended after the red card against Leicester and things like that. We ended up with no left footer in the entire match day squad. I mean, they were all right footers. There's no one else because we'd sold Matt Target, obviously. And as a Premier League squad, you can't underestimate at the moment the reliance we have on Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, I, I personally didn't want to see Matt Target go, but given the amount of money, the Southampton got and the fact it kind of plateaued I, I understood it and part of the reason isn't just because I think his quality and it's nice to have some, a local lad in the squad but yep. is because he just left the, left the side really shy at left yeah back. vulnerable yeah, yeah. yeah vulnerable exactly they need to act at left back they need to act at right back Bertrand I really wasn't a fan of a couple of years ago I'd heard some stuff that made me put me off him mm. um but he seems to have knuckled down. The fact that he doesn't wear the captain's armband anymore seems to have helped as well. Yes, because he point. can be experienced, but without leading, the, having to feel like the pressure of being a leader or the player that everyone looks up at. So, mm. yeah, he, he's doing a great job and it's, he'll probably walk away when his contract ends. Man City were interested in him, but as you say, he's getting on a bit now. He'll probably be about 38 by the time we get out of this <laughs> lockdown. But um, it's, it's, it's not going to be one of those players of Saints who are going to be able to get the money they need for his quality. Mm. If we give Burton a bit of credit, in fact, he's nearly uh, had 200 appearances. Yeah, 198. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Looking at the stats right now. And, you know, only a couple more... And yeah, I think we could we could thank him for his service over the last sort of five and a half years, as you say, and and, he, and he's been sort of somewhat consistent over the time. Uh, pops up with some important goals mm. every now and then, and you know, wonderfully can strike a ball when he wants to. It's all about sort of whether he's up for the game or not. Yeah, and I think the thing I'd add on top of that, Freddie, just to finish this section, you're spot on. I mean, when you think of the amount of money we've wasted over the last five years, ten million pound on a player that's you know won the Champions League and given us two hundred appearances I think is very uh, you know was a, a really good sign at that time but um, yeah I mean left back if we have got uh, an experienced uh, and sort of you know fairly consistent left back uh, right back is a totally different issue of course Cedric has already effectively left Saints with his contract up this summer um, Carl Walker-Peters will remain alone until the end of the season with us before the club I assume make a decision on whether to try and make that perm I know uh, again Dan has sort of mentioned that Saints do have the option I think to seriously consider that if they want to um, Glenn I mean look right back it's just been in a you know I said Achilles Hill earlier I mean right back's just been an issue for pretty much 18 months now yeah it has um I think Jan Valerie is an ideal backup mm. as it stands at the moment he's you know he's further along than Vokins is on the other side and that he he has had good games in the past he's had very good games in the past um the attacking side of his game is very good uh defensively yeah a bit suspect he 
he played his better games when we played with wing backs. Mm. Um, and he was, you know, it was more about getting forward and he, he had a central defender who could cover him when he got caught too far forward, etc. Playing as we do now with a flat back four, it's a little bit different. Um, and he does doze off, never more illustrated than the uh, game against Newcastle. I'd be happy with him as, as a backup, but yep. we need first choice right back to, to come in. And I would say that will be the, the biggest priority. Mm. Um, or one, certainly one of the biggest priorities of, of the summer or whenever it is, whenever the transfer window actually <laughs> is, um, you know, to, will be to get in a first choice right back. Um, I don't see Carl Walker-Peters being the man. I mean, I've only seen him one game, but to be honest, he didn't look a vast improvement on Valerie. Um, I know it's only one game, but it's another sort of small, lightweight, going to get bullied Um mm. I'm not sure about him, and uh, the fact that we didn't have a op- sort of cast iron option to buy him suggests that Spurs don't particularly want to let him go, or they want to push the price up to a level that we're not going to be willing to pay. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll be, you know, hopefully that's one of the things Ralph's been doing is uh, sorting us out uh, a potential right back for next season. Yeah, and Valerie's played 34 times for Saints, which is almost an entire season. He's uh, scored the two goals that we all remember against United and Spurs. He's only assisted one t- uh, during that. Uh, that's to us, I should, uh, I should add, at the time. He's probably assisted the opposition a few more times. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> in, in terms of Carl Walker-Peters, then, just briefly, uh, Freddie, um, as Glenn mentioned there, I mean, at time of recording, he's barely had any real uh, involvement. He, he's played, you know, I think a game and a bit. Um, he was obviously injured a little while as well. But... From what you've seen and from some, I mean, I think I saw a report around, you know, last week that was talking 25 million or so. I mean, he's clearly A, Saints aren't going to play that. And is he really worth that? I mean, is he is he really our long term right back option? The long and short of it is no. Um, just to add to what sort of Glenn uh, mentions is that he looks lightweight. I think also naive. Mm. But the thing is, the Saints, we, we always look at these kind of technically gifted players, you know, good on the ball, good ball playing defenders, you know, midfielders. But we we kind of need a bully. We need mm. someone that's that's strong, uh, that has a leadership qualities, and we've missed it since you know Font and Van Dijk have left. Mm. Um, you know Cedric to some extent uh, could be interested in every other game. Uh, had, had a bit of a childish sort of mentality. If it, if it wasn't going right for him, he'd sort of sulk and you know wouldn't play for the team. But I, I don't think we should take up Walker Peters. Um, mm. You know in the summer transfer window, Jan Valery still doesn't look quite ready. I think we need an established right-back and an established centre-back as a priority this summer. Yeah. Just uh, finally at right-back then, Simon, because um, I know it's always a good chance for you to bring out your young boys right-back, but, uh, yeah, um, obviously we'd been well, linked... Well, no, I just, I just hate right-backs as a whole. That tends to be my way. <laughs> um, obviously we've been linked quite a lot with, uh, I think it's Joachim uh, Myler, is it, at uh, Genk in Belgium, although I think um, he's a 22-year-old Danish under-21, but I think Ralph had potentially mentioned at a fans' event a few months ago that they weren't sure he was ready for the Premier League. Um, you've obviously got your favourite right-back that you always go on about as well. So if you were Ralph, where would you be looking for a right-back this summer? Is there, is there any particular names that you think would be a better option than Carl Walker-Peters? Well, the, the young boys right-back you've mentioned, this shows how often I'm invited on this. He moved to Wolfsburg last summer. Kevin Mbappé is his name. He's played for Newcastle and he's currently got the second highest average rating of the Wolfsburg side. So he's obviously doing with something right. Yeah. Um, and he would have, and he was cheap. Because that's the kind of player that Saints need is a good value, good option that can kick on. And he was fast and he could cross and he could tackle. But hey, we had Cedric and Jan Valerie, so why would we look at someone like that? Perhaps because I was a right back when I used to play 11 aside regularly. I either really liked him or I just write them off straight away. Paul Telfer, I, I can't explain, but I just never liked him. 
I just I could never buy. It just I just wasn't having him. I don't know if you remember. He, uh, someone pulled a cornerback to the edge of the area once at St Mary's, and he managed to shoot, and it hit the TV screen, and that's the only person I've ever seen do that. That's impressive. <laughs> um, um, and Cedric, I've just the amount of times he'd be beaten in the air at the far post, yeah, to a cross, and his attitude off the pitch as well. So uh, good riddance, to be frank. Mm. Um, he won't be coming back. I'd be surprised if Aston take up the option. But like that's the one area that for years and years people were saying Arsenal need to buy a defensive midfielder. They need to buy a defensive midfielder, and they'd end up buying a right winger or mm. a striker. And it feels like right back is becoming one of those positions for Southampton. We're trying to half-arse it, and mm. we actually just need to do it properly. I know it's not sexy to spend twenty million pounds on a right back, mm. but if you need to do that to bolster the side, that's what you've got to do. And I feel like. Saints need to do that. That's my two pence on it. Okay, to finish up then, uh, the volatile centre-back position at Saints. Um, I was writing down, obviously I'm really looking forward to asking Glenn about Wesley Hoyt in a minute, of course. But um, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about him. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, with Maya Yoshida going on lane, we somehow left ourselves, again, I know there's no football at the moment, but we've somehow left ourselves with only three centre-backs now, and Jack Stevens, Jan Bednarik and uh, Yannick Vestergaard. Um, obviously, Glenn, it's been a massive, massive issue for Saints ever since Van Dyke went. You know, we should have invested in it last summer. For whatever reason, we decided Gineppo and Che Adams and players like that were more important. But if we don't get someone in at centre-back this summer, surely we are going to have a very, very long season ahead. The reason we didn't, it's the Fraser Forster argument again, in that we've got two players in particular, uh, Vestergaard and Hoyt, who I don't think if everyone had their way and we had loads of money, I don't think anyone would really want to be around the club anymore. Mm. Um, but we've got them both. We paid significant money for both of them. Um, uh, they're very similar in lots of ways. You know, they're, they're both. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they're both on, and they're both on lots of money, and, and we're going to struggle to get them off the books. I mean, the fact that Wesley's ended up playing in um, in the Belgian league, um, you know, Vestergaard is now third choice. He, was, he would probably have been fourth choice if Yoshida was still here. Mm. Um, we, we've stumbled upon a partnership in Bednarek and Stevens, which, to most people's surprise, especially mine, has actually been relatively okay. Mm. It's only when we play the real bully boy teams like Burnley and West Ham, those, those two are hopeless. Um, because neither of them are physical enough to play against the uh, Michael Antonios and uh, Ashley Barneses of this world. Mm. But Danzo, no, you know, he's only young. So To be fair, Ralph's not even given him, I don't think he's played one game at centre-back, has he? You can say he hasn't had a chance, but there's a reason he hasn't had a chance. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ralph, they see him in training every day. I mean, it's like, the, you know, people say with that Angus Gunn, you've got to give him a run of games. Well, why? If he's not doing anything in training and he's not, proving that he deserves to be given a chance this is top level sport you're talking about mm. you know you can't just give him a chance just to see if, you know give him a run of games and, and the same thing applies with um, Danzo Danzo looks like what he is an under 21s player and he'd, mm. be, he'd probably do well for the under 21s or under 23s whatever they are but he, he's not anywhere he doesn't look anywhere near a Premier League starter so with Yoshida going which and he's gone for the right reasons he'd yep. gone because he wanted to play which is Bit sad the way that's turned out because he played one game I think before the um, before Italy shut down. Um, so we've, we've got Bednarek and Stevens. I think we're going to be very very lucky to get one of Vestergaard or Hoyt off the books um, mm. this summer. If we can get rid of one of them because Yoshida's obviously not going to be around, Danzo's yep. not going to be around. We may have some money to to bring in someone who is going to lead that defence. But mm. I have a feeling it is it is wishful thinking because. 
of the, the way that we're hamstrung with the players that we've got. Yeah. Freddie, when you think about it, Yannick Vestergaard, I couldn't find any committed figures, so it just said undisclosed everywhere. You know, let's say it was 15 million, you know, spent pretty much 30 million. more than that. That, well, there you go. There's a min- minimum. I think it was near a twenty. I think. So let, let's say twenty million. So between him and uh, Hoyt, that's cost I us. Was eighteen. <laughs> about thirty-five million we spent on those I'm teams. Eighteen million. Fine. Okay. Well, let's go with. We'll call it thirty million. Let's round it down then. Thirty million for those two. Jack Stevens cost us one hundred and fifty grand. Bednarik was about five million. So you're talking about just over five million for those two that are now our two centre backs. Um, Jack Stevens, you know, I think a lot of people have admitted this season he's kind of turned it around and, you know, he's still error prone. We know that, but he is 26 years old. So, again, in terms of his prime, maybe that's not too far away now. He's very communicative. He's very passionate. You know, he's someone that clearly wants to play for Saints. And Bednarek has shown that potential and at 23 has still got a lot of uh, room to develop. So in terms of those two, in terms of their place in the squad, Freddie, it feels like they are two players that we should very much be keeping and sort of helping to continue to develop. Ralph has settled on that partnership um, and as you said they've, they've kicked on to some extent this season as well but I think that the trouble is with both of them they're not quite streetwise I will be a bit controversial I think Kevin Dancer has the potential to be streetwise but he just needs a, a run of games um, but having said that he's still quite young but back mm. to Stevens and, and Bednarak uh, Bednarak you know great blocker you know absolutely committed to throwing his body on the line you know and Jack Stevens as well he's he's spoken up this season and he's become that sort of deputy that sort of leader at the back which we're kind of desperate for you know since uh the defenders that have left us we've been really desperate for a centre-back to command his peers to command his teammates in the back line and and Stevens to some extent has done well there as well he's also popped off some important goals over the over the course of the season um and I think you know still a couple of years to go but I don't think he's going to be that sort of top end Premier League player I think he's going to be average sort of mid-table I guess fitting for Southampton at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon, in terms of Benerick and Stevens, and one of the, the key issues that we've always had is Saints, as Glenn mentioned earlier, kind of defending well, heading the ball, you know, key part of the centre back. So I thought it was interesting when you actually look at Vestergaard, Benerick, and Stevens. Um, Vestergaard has won 52 of 78 aerial duels this season. Um, Jan Bednarik has won 97 of 141, so that's sort of roughly 65 to 70% for those two. Jack Stevens has won 44 of 101, which is 43%. And that kind of shows, I think, lots of us have always been quite nervous with Jack that his ability in the air, and as Glenn said earlier, getting overpowered by players that kind of know how to play against him. So that is kind of the issue, that if we're going to stick with Jack, who's obviously developing and clearly wants to play for Saints, you know, at 26 years old, you kind of wonder how much he's going to be able to develop being able to be physical in the air? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I was speaking to someone who's a very senior figure in English football, and he was as surprised about Jack Stevens' progress as any any centre-back in the division, really, any English defender but he is progressing I really was a bit unsure about him but he has kicked on and he yeah he's guilty of the odd mistake but I feel like he's going to be a good squad player but mm. I think that's the key he's going to be a good squad player I think Bednarek is an excellent player to be honest yeah I think we've got a bargain I know he was the most expensive player ever at the Polish division when we signed him but he's really made his mark Vestergaard he was the first defensive signing after Van Dijk left he hasn't really lived up to the billing I, I quite liked him but his confidence just seems I've wow. got a great quote from Mark Hughes that I found Simon go on the club had to fight off a lot of competition to sign the player that's what he said about Vestergaard mm. yeah well he, his confidence 
doesn't seem particularly high and he's quite slow and it just it feels like it's not the fact that he's the tallest outfield player in division and is only getting 65 percent 70 percent of headers is pretty damning actually <laughs> he's not he's he's not ambitious or strong enough from set pieces i don't think when Leicester were interested in January, I was less scratching my head a little bit, <laughs> but um, but but they were so maybe there is going to be someone that will will take him and mm, yeah, Wesley Hoot. Yeah. The fact that I'd even forgotten he'd existed. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's down to start. It's down to of football though, isn't it, with the centre backs? I mean, because Ralph, well, we don't have one Ralph, that can pass and we don't have them to yeah. command the box either. Mm, we don't mm. really have a start. Agreed. Yeah, but Ralph Ralph wants us to play a high line, so you you know Vestergaard is a nightmare. Because the ball gets played behind him, he's got to turn and run, and that's that's mm. the end of that, isn't it? He's just slow, and he's got to turn in circle of the Titanic. And then, <laughs> but when we just had the Leicester game, and then we played Manchester City away, and we basically defended on the edge of the penalty area, Vestergaard was all right in that game because it was, you know, he didn't have to run, he didn't have to do anything other than head the ball and get in the way, and that's kind of what he's good at. This is a problem with us sort of changing our philosophy. We sign players because previous managers maybe play a certain way but as soon as a manager like Ralph comes in who says I, I want to play this way and we've got all these players who are just totally not suited to it mm. um, and to be honest those two in particular because of their lack of lack of pace on the turn they're never going to be suitable for the way that we're trying to play now. Freddie just before I ask Glenn the uh, question that everyone wants to hear about Big Bad Wesley um, the, the challenge with Vestergaard and Hoyt is of course that they've still got two years left on their uh, contracts as well so as uh, you know, the chaps were saying, the challenge is going to be trying to get someone to come in and buy at least one of them. But does it kind of flip around? And this is what I was talking to Adam Blackmore after the Toby Still interview about. Saints kind of need to be realistic here as well. You know, we shouldn't be asking for 20 million or something. You know, if, if realistically we can get 10 million in the wages off the book, does Saints sort of need to try and play a balancing act here as well? Yeah, I think the trouble is, as I mentioned about uh, somebody earlier, uh, Saints need to sell at value. Uh, Fraser Forster, I think it was, and. You know, we're asking for uh, 20 million for a, a player that's now playing in a in the Belgian division with no disrespect to Belgium. I think they're what they're not the most attractive or sort of most reputable division in the entire Europe. So yep. Wesley Hoot has this sort of arrogance about him that he says he should be playing Italian football, or he should be playing Premier League football, or at the highest level, where in fact his performances are nowhere near it. And we'll be lucky if we get a Championship side that are interested in trying to to sign Wesley Hoot. I mean, uh, Antwerp, I don't think he's doing too well out there, uh, playing Europa League every now and then, and they're pushing for the division. But I think just a really quick note before we move on, I think all the centre-backs have got a lot to learn. And this is mm. where Ryan Bertrand has to come in and, and show him how to be streetwise because he does these little tricks about winding down the clock, you know, winding up opposition. And we don't see much of that sort of bullish tactics from all of the centre-backs. Can I just say, on who in the Belgian league, the fact that he has called it himself in an interview a Mickey Mouse competition doesn't mm. suggest that is related to being pissed off about refereeing decisions but that doesn't bode particularly well he's burnt his bridges at Saints by slagging off Ralph Hasnittle after the yep. regarding the 9-0 apparently Antwerp according to to paper HLM I don't know how to say their, their full name so I'm just going to leave it at that <laughs> they've got the option to make it permanent for 8 million euros um, which doesn't seem an awfully high figure but that would make him the fifth most expensive player in Belgian football history that they brought in so has he impressed that much? I don't think so. No, I, I was looking at the stats. He's played 25 times this season. It, unfortunately, it doesn't tell you how many they conceded. I could probably look that up, but he's not scored and he's not set anything up. So uh, there we go. Um, 
Clem, we'll talk about Mario Lamina in the, the second part of this when we talk about midfielders. <laughs> because, oh, because well, no, well, no, the reason being is that obviously Adam Blackmore had said Saints may be forced to try and reintegrate him this summer. Obviously, we're going to focus briefly now on Wesley Hoyt. Do you think Saints may be forced to try and uh, you know reintegrate him this summer as well? They may be, but he's one of these... I mean, you, you don't want to keep loaning players out for a season because that just kicks the problem further down the line. It kicks them further towards the end of their contract when you will get no money for them whatsoever. Um, and you're still paying a portion of the wages in, in most cases. But I, I think with Wesley, as has just been said, he's um, burnt his bridges. And uh, I don't think they will want him anywhere near the club, to be perfectly honest. So I think he'll be out on uh, on loan. I don't think he will. there will be any effort to uh, reintegrate him into the squad. Um, if he's upset, Ralph, he's probably upset other senior figures at the club. And he seems to have a certain arrogance about him that I don't think will mm. go down particularly well with some of the players either. Yeah. Just finally then, Simon, on centre-backs, I think certainly my view would be we need someone experienced, communicative, fairly dominant back there. It's not easy to pick up Virgil van Dijk players. Uh, you know, I know he was a bit of a one-off, but it's kind of that calibre of player that we're going to need to come in that can communicate with the goalkeeper because we, you know, whoever we're going to have at the back probably isn't a great communicator, but organise that defence and get everyone sort of working together because at the moment it's been very disjointed. Yeah, well, we made it look a lot easier than it actually was to find centre-backs for a number of years. Jose Font obviously went from League One player to Euro 2016 winner. Yeah. Toby Adewale was probably the most successful loan player we've ever had. Yeah, he was class, wasn't he? Yep. And then he had Van Dijk and they brought other people up to their level. And then you had good backups, good squad players, good people like Maya Sheed and Jack Stevens to be around and plug in gaps. Now, you, you forgot Diane Lovren. You forgot Lovren. <laughs> Oh, to be fair, they signed him for eight million and they moved in for twenty million. Yeah, the he was right for the first six months and then he was rubbish yeah. for the second six months. But yeah, I kind of block certain people out of my mind. Wesley, <laughs> 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 but um, again, proves the fact that the Saints had the ability to find these centre backs that could fill in at a relatively cheap price mm. and do a good job and maybe be a good squad player for a number of years or go. But they've kind of lost that knack. So maybe that's something they need to revisit because. I mean, you look at some of the sides in the lower end of the Premier League and they've got these just solid centre-backs. But mm. again, I was about to say Brighton, but didn't they spend £25 million on Adam Webster, a mm. player that I'd not even heard of until he joined them? So yeah. maybe that's more says more about me than them, but there isn't a lot of value in the market, but Saints used to be good at finding it. Yeah. All right, then, just to finish uh, on centre-backs then... Um... Freddie, on a scale of one to five, so one being low, five being absolutely massively critical, what is your invest in centre backs this summer rating? Uh, it's got to be a ten. <laughs> I had six, so you've got to be off the scale. Yeah, I, I, I had a six, so you've totally uh, blown me out of the water there. It's got to be off the critical. scale, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally agree. And uh, Glenn, I mean, I assume you're the same, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like number um, one priority. I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. Simon, you're going to disagree with that or not? No. In order of importance, centre-back, right-back, left-back. But yep. <laughs> improvements are needed in all three areas, which isn't great. How old are you now, Simon? I mean, could you still do a job at right-back if Ralph wanted it or not? I'm 31 and I'm about as mobile as Vestergaard, so <laughs> perhaps... <laughs> Well, 
Well, that's it for this episode of Taste of Saints podcast. Next time out, we'll focus on midfield and the strikers. Do let us know what you think of our views in this one or any comments or questions you have about the squad in general, and we'll make sure we cover them off at the next opportunity. You can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, both of those are Total Saints Pod or Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. A big thank you to Glenn, Freddie, and of course Simon for joining us this week. We will aim to be back soon. Until then, keep safe and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans